Welcome to the Tash Show Podcast. Here's another Super Bowl ad that almost didn't air on Sunday night because GM wanted to block Unifor, the uh, auto workers union, from putting this on television. But they went ahead with it anyways. What makes us Canadian? Generosity. Supporting friends and neighbors. Helping those in need. So when GM needed help, we gave them $300 from every single Canadian. And after that nearly $11 billion bailout, GM continues to expand in Mexico, leaving workers out in the cold. A move that's as un-Canadian as the vehicles they now want to sell us. GM, you may have forgotten our generosity, but we'll never forget your greed. If you want to sell here, build here. Oh, snap! Yeah, it doesn't make GM look great. It does not. <laughs> Neither does pulling out of Oshawa, given all the history. I mean... Absolutely. So what did GM take issue with there? They they were claiming that there was some inaccuracies in that ad, but it seemed pretty straightforward. Yeah, they uh, their, their legal representation uh, said the ad contains several misleading statements, quote, designed intentionally and maliciously to mislead Canadian consumers and forever tarnish GM's reputation with them. Well, did they get... Get that bailout? They got yeah. $10.8 billion from the uh, Canadian and uh, federal governments. Uh, GM and Chrysler got the bailouts. Ford did not uh, get the bailout. This was back in 2008, 2009. Uh, they paid part of uh, the money back, but the federal government in uh, 2017, people may also remember, forgave part of the loan as well. So in terms of, and the federal government never said exactly how much was forgiven. So in terms of finding out how much we got back or how much is still quote unquote owed is a little bit difficult. Was it a loan with interest? Yes. Are we making interest on that? I, I know for sure the United States, when they bailed out uh, GM, they got their money back with interest. Okay. And so ours would have been. And we have no idea how much we got back. You can't find that no, information anywhere. No, no. They, I mean, well then how could they put that in the ad? If they don't know, they can't put it in the ad. They just left that out. They didn't, well, they here, didn't make anything up. They, they said, they got a bailout, which they did. They said they're moving production to Mexico, which they are. I mean, are there still some parts of the cars that are going to be made in Canada? Is is that something that wasn't in there that GM has an issue with? I, I just don't know, because there's not much in there other than, hey, they got a bailout and now they're leaving. Even if they paid everything back, you know, with double the interest, it still doesn't change the fact that Canadians stepped in and bailed them out to help save the company. Yeah. The one thing, I mean, you could you could argue is, and this, I don't think this necessarily falls in what they're trying to say, but we still have like Cami Ingersoll <laughs> that's uh-huh. making like, you know, a vehicle. So they're not all un-Canadian, they're not all Mexican made. Right. It's the uh, vehicles that were being that's manufactured more, that's in more Oshawa. Semantics, I think, really. Uh, it, to me, it's just GM's upset that they are publicly being called out by Unifor on a national stage during during the Super Bowl. Uh, maybe maybe it's going to be on the Oscars as well. They were saying they were playing like Unifor is playing this uh, commercial during hockey games, Leaf games, right? Uh, Leaf games. They were doing it during uh, the Golden Globes. Uh, so they're trying to embarrass uh, GM as much as possible. I think if GM didn't even try and stop the ad from airing. We wouldn't be talking about it this morning. It would have got less attention if GM had just ignored it and kept their mouths shut. I was watching the American feed for the Super Bowl. Just you didn't even see it. Yeah, I, I didn't even see yeah. it. So I, I, all I saw was the reaction the next day that 
uh, GM was upset about it and tried to stop Unifor, and Unifor was excited that GM was upset because it allows right. them to tweet about it and tweet out the video. It's on YouTube, so they can share the video and get some free uh, media out of the response. GM, you may have forgotten our generosity, but we'll never forget your greed. If you want to sell here, build here. Hey, good morning. I just wanted to throw my two cents in about the uh, uh, whole GM thing there and say, you know, Devin's right. Unifor, I think, is going about it all the wrong way. Um, like, my wife works at Cami, and, uh, oh, happy birthday, by the way, Jay, if you're listening. <laughs> but uh, what Unifor should be doing, and we, me and my wife spoke about this last night, is strengthening the Mexican workforce, getting them a union and higher wages and benefits and everything else. And and then GM's not going to want to move down there because everything's going to be too expensive for them. Instead of hurting the the workers that are still currently you know up here building vehicles. Does your wife worry after this? She sees this ad on television. Does she worry that GM is just going to say, "Okay, well, forget it. We don't want to be in Canada at all well, if this is how they're going to treat us." Definitely, there's definitely more of a chance of that happening. You know, if GM has a huge distaste for for just. Canada overall, because Unifor is, you know, just uh, more or less pushing them out, right? So, I don't know. That, that, that's my two cents about it anyway. I agree with, with Devin. I think Unifor is kind of going too far about it. Have we heard from anyone, Dev, from Simcoe, who was at the arena on the weekend when we, those parents got in a fight at the hockey game? We have not heard game? from any of the parents, any of the people who were maybe working there on Sunday when this fight broke out. Started as a verbal altercation, blew up into a, a full-on physical altercation. The cops were called because parents were fighting. Uh, after was, the game. There was an after-the-game fight as their kids were getting ready, packing up, taking their skates off. Things got physical. Cops came and all the parents just fled to their minivans and got the <laughs> heck out of there. They took off. Nobody was charged, right? Nobody was charged. <laughs> but we want to know more about what happened there. And it got us talking earlier this morning about being a hockey parent. My son is two years old and he seems like he's going in that direction. He's going to want to play hockey. And we're going to the phones here. Scott, you wanted to make a comment on this. Hockey coach for both my boys. And, uh, you know, the parents are pretty bad parents, really. Because they think little Johnny, he's the best player, and he should have the best time, or he should have the most ice time. Yeah, I'd imagine it's it's similar. Being a coach is similar to being a a teacher at school, right? Where, you know, the, dealing with the kids is one thing, but dealing with the parents is what makes you not want to do it anymore. Well, it's easier dealing with the kids than the parents, I can tell you that much. How old are the kids? Uh, I got, uh, I coach uh, eight and nine year olds and then uh, 10 and 11 year olds. Okay. What's uh, the, what's the worst exchange you've ever had with a parent? Oh, I had some guy confront me right in the dressing room because uh, his his grandson, he wasn't uh, the greatest player, and this league I coach in is all about equal ice time for everybody. But we got a penalty, and the, and the kids, this, this other kid said, he goes, put your son on. 
put him on. He's a better player. We can kill the penalty. And I said, no, it's your turn to go out there. It's okay, buddy. You can get out there. He's, no, no, no. You put him out there. So I'll put him out there. So you put your son out there. Yeah. Uh-oh. He happens to be, or at that time, happened to be the best player on the team. Not my fault. Uh-oh. You're not just a coach. You're also a parent. <laughs> Thanks for the call. Hi, FM 96. Hey, I just want to comment on the Simcoe parents. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Were my you there? Play, well, no, I wasn't there, but my boys play hockey, and they just finished a series with the Simcoe team. And there are a couple parents on the team we played that aren't afraid to yell at the kids on the ice, and they will call them names. And it really upsets the other team's parents because, you know, their kids are getting yelled at. They don't realize they're just kids. Yeah, that's pretty inflammatory if you're sitting next to someone who is yelling insults at your child, like personal insults or name-calling. You'd understand why parents would get pretty heated about that. Oh, definitely. But they're not the only team. There's a couple teams in the in this uh, circle in southern counties, and they, yeah, they just don't. They're too passionate. Yeah. Well, their dreams have been crushed, so they're passing them on to their children, right? (laughs) I guess so. They've got nothing else to live for, so. I guess so. They they just get a little too invested in their kids' hockey careers. That's exactly it. Thanks for the call. I love how Scott says, you know, every parent thinks their kid's the best player. And then he says, <laughs> he my says yeah, my kids. <laughs> well, then I put my kid in because he's the best player. It's like, <laughs> oh, you shouldn't be coaching that. He happens to be, or at that time, happens to be the best player on the team. Not my fault. Liam Neeson is in some trouble. Now, we're about to play some audio here. If you've got the kids in the car, it may be, uh, might be pretty intense. Liam Neeson is an intense storyteller, and this is, this is something else. He's doing a press junket, and he was inspired to share a story about a time where he felt he needed to get revenge in his younger years. And he knew he was being recorded. This is the story that Liam Neeson told the reporter again. Listener discretion advised here. I'll tell you a story. This is true. But I was away and I came back and she told me she had been raped. But she handled the situation of the rape in the most extraordinary way. But my immediate reaction was, I asked, did did she know who it was? No. What color were they? She said it was a black person. I went up and down areas with a cosh hoping I'd be approached by somebody. I'm ashamed to say that. And I did it for maybe a week, hoping some black bastard would come out of a pub and have a go at me about something, you know, so that I could kill him. It took me a week, maybe a week and a half to kind of go for that. And it was horrible, horrible when I think back, but I did that and I've never admitted that to it. I'm saying it to a journalist, it's awful. And I understand that need for revenge, but it just leads to more revenge and more killing and more killing. And, you know. Liam talking about a friend of his was raped and he sought revenge because a black person had raped his friend on all black people, or that's what was going through his mind. Now, obviously, 
he acknowledges that what he did was wrong, but he didn't really get into the racial aspect no. of the story there. He uh, a kosh, by the way, is a heavy stick or a bar used as a weapon. That's uh, slang, right. like a nightstick, like or a something nightstick, like basically that. Basically, walking around. I just, I can't imagine. I, I can't what he was thinking sharing this in a press junket. In a press junket, also understanding he like he seemed to acknowledge what he like what this is going to mean. Telling it to a journalist unprompted. No one's known about this before. Mm-hmm. He knew like he's ashamed of what he did, but he didn't. That doesn't necessarily. An apology, and he hasn't commented since then when people have now heard these comments and become justifiably upset. He's going to need to address this. He, we got to hear. Some people may not have to. They may say, okay, he said he felt bad. I'm fine with that. But I think for Liam Neeson's public image moving forward, he's going to have to address these comments further and go into more detail exactly what he was thinking, how he feels now, the lesson he learned from that in more detail because there's uh, quite the backlash going online right now. He's just not uh, a random person on the street, and it's not because he's an actor uh, that he needs to give more detail. It's because he is Liam Neeson. He's someone that people look up to, people admire, people respect. Sure. And there is a duty, Every, whether you say- want or not, to, as a public figure, as a person people look to for inspiration of other sorts, to Everybody loved to Liam Neeson. Like, who didn't like Liam Neeson before yesterday? Yeah. And now he's r- upset an entire race of people. I know we were really excited for this new movie, Cold Pursuit. This is my kind of movie. I know. You love a, a B-grade action thriller. It's right up your alley, Peacock. But now I'm sure there's many people who won't go see that movie in the theater because of Liam Neeson's comments. He's a snowplow driver bent on revenge after his son gets killed. And he's driving like the snowplow around. I'm assuming there's going to be a lot of white on the screen. And now I am willing to bet that there's going to be mostly white in the audience as well, unless Liam addresses this. We've got some calls coming in here. Hi there. Hi. I just wanted to call, um, do a comment on Taz's show about Liam Neeson. Yeah, this is Taz and Devin. Hi. Hi. Um, my name is Christy. I don't think he has to apologize for anything. It's part of the process when someone you know has that happen to them, to have that rage. So, uh, and I don't think his intention was meant to be a racist one. It was just, unfortunately, the race of the person that was committing the act. Obviously, this is something that's very personal to you, Christy. I can hear it in your voice. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I just, I think Liam needs to explain things further in terms of how he's feeling. Now, he said what he did was wrong, and he's ashamed of it. People do change. If you're taught one thing, if you're raised a certain way, your experiences in life can change who you are. But Definitely. For his career, I... Don't you feel he needs to address the comments and maybe just speak on it further? No. Anyone that's been in that situation can totally identify with it. Yeah. And I've been on both sides. Well, thank you for the call. We appreciate it. No problem. Okay. Bye. Yeah, it's a tough one because there are people who have had pretty terrible experiences Uh, with racism 
they've had terrible experiences with sexual assault and rape. So that's why this is such a, a hot topic. And this is, I think, why Liam Neeson has to have more of a dialogue about it. Because it's all these people who are bringing their own experiences into this short one-minute conversation he had with this reporter. He started a conversation, and just with the way the world works today and people consume information, they're going to hear part of it or they're going to take their own inference from it. So once you start that conversation, I just think, you know, he needs to talk further about it now that he's he brought this up. Like, he wasn't asked a question, he brought it up. And we've got Kate and Garrett from MedPoint in studio with us, MedPoint Health and Fitness. I'm doing the 13-week challenge, getting my new meal plan today, finding out what I'm allowed to eat and what I'm not allowed to eat. And I've started working out with Garrett as well. It's funny. I love working out as much as I hate working out. (laughs) It's one of those things, right? I like working out early in the morning because then you kind of get your endorphins going and you feel yeah. good for the rest of the day. It gives you a boost and you're it's done, right? You don't have to, it's not hanging over. Oh, I have to go to the gym later. But you got to find what works for you and we're uh, going to the phones here looking for your questions about your diet, about your workouts. Sarah, you're on with Kate and Garrett from MedPoint. What are their thoughts on the keto diet? I would say there's definitely some things about the keto diet that are, you know, really positive, like getting your sugars down on consumption of like things like sweet sugar drinks, um, things that have sugar added to them, like yogurts and... and What is keto? Is that just all meat? It's a lot of fat and, and protein and vegetables, basically. Like it's no carbohydrates whatsoever, um, like no legumes. Going low potatoes. on the carbs, processed yeah. carbs, getting rid of those is, is big, right? Yep. For sure, getting low on the nitrates and everything. Um, I would say there's definitely benefits to it, especially if you have blood sugar issues in um, like hormonally, if you're having issues with type 2 diabetes, stuff like that. Um, there are positive benefits to going on a keto diet just to reduce the sugar intake. But if you go on um, a keto diet long term, would that be a good thing? My thoughts on it is that anything that says you can't have this at all, I, you know, as soon as you tell somebody not to have something, that's they want it's it very difficult more. to <laughs> long term say I'm never going to have this again. So, either going at it at, in a realistic standpoint, saying okay, yeah, I'm going to do this most of the time, but there's going to be times where I treat myself to the things that something that I'm really craving. Um, then I think it's you know you could follow a plan like that, but I don't think it would be a strict plan that you could do for the rest of your life forever. Are you doing the keto stuff, Sarah? I've been going back and forth. I think that, like, the idea of no carbs is kind of good for me, personally. But, yeah. And I've seen people be very, very successful on it, and I've seen others, nothing. So what, what would good carbs be? Like, if you are going to have carbs, where should you be getting them, Kate? I would say the least processed carbs you can find. So things that are... Rice. Yeah, like really whole grain, like quinoa. Oatmeal. um, You know, your large flaked oats or steel cut oats where they're a little bit more fibrous. Um, Things like potatoes and sweet potatoes where they're straight from the source. Um, Those are your sources that would be better. Um, Just another point to why some people really succeed at it and others don't. It could be even down to your ancestry, like what did your ancestors eat um, and why did it work so well for them versus, you know, somebody from a different area that uh, their ancestors came from a different area and they do way better on a 
a diet that does have a lot more carbs in it. Um, there's so many different scientific reasons why so many people do well on one diet or one way of eating versus another. And that's why I think it's, it, ne- it is really important that it's customized to the individual. Good luck, Sarah. Thank you. Doug has sent us a text message. This question for you, Garrett. He says he's limited on time when he works out. Is it better for him to be doing cardio or weights with the time that he has at the gym? I think the biggest thing is to kind of do a bit of both. Um, You know, there's a lot of different uh, methods of doing uh, exercise in an efficient way. You can do high-intensity interval training, uh, which kind of combines cardio-resistance training, um, all the different components That'd be of like fitness. burpees and stuff like that? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so you're getting your heart rate up, um, <laughs> you know, and you're, and you're getting a lot done in a short amount of time. So you find a lot of people like to, you know, work out on their lunch hour if they only have like half an hour or 20 minutes or whatever it is. Um, you know, so they come in, they get their heart rate up, they get as much done in, as they can in that amount of time, and then they go on with their day. So that's an efficient way of doing things. Um, so you combine the both, the weights with the, you get, get your heart rate exactly. up and you yeah, keep so it up instead of just jumping on the Jumping on the treadmill, treadmill for 20 going. minutes or half an hour. You can kind of, you know, do more sprints or do more, um, you know, burpees, as you said, or, or things that kind of get your heart rate up. Um, plus you're doing the resistance training and, and different body weight exercises and stuff. So, uh, it's definitely an efficient way if you don't have a lot of time to, to get all the different fitness components in. We'll get you guys back in as I continue my 13-week MedPoint challenge trying to lose some of this off the midsection (laughs) here. If you want to contact our friends from MedPoint and maybe see what they can do for you, their website is medpoint.ca. That's the Taz Show podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And remember, you can tune in on the radio, 95.9 on the uh, dial in the London area. That's FM 96 or FM 96.com.